namaste and thank you for that beautiful sanskrit verse tameva mata chapita tameva tameva bandhu chasaka tameva this in a sense summarizes uh, the essence of what we may speak today but we'll come to it a little later before we enter into the domain of relationship which of all domains is perhaps the most complicated ones <laughs> and the reason is very simple because we human beings are most complicated the most uh, highly evolved of all these species and yet we do not know who we are where we are going what is our goal so we are the most uncertain of the lot having said that we uh, often when we have um these talks readings seminars uh, it's very natural because there is a seeking for knowledge which is very good we want to know what is a perfect way to live perfect way to uh, be etc etc but uh, you know the beauty of life and its challenge and its difficulties that life is not a rule book so <laughs> there are no universally applicable ways but they are universally applicable truths there is a difference between the two so there are some universal truths if we understand that life becomes beautiful but if we try to apply it the whole trick lies there if we try to make it into a universally applicable action or way of life then we tend to often be create problems and difficulties uh, this is true in human relationships this is true everywhere so this is the first thing we need to understand that life is not a rule book whether we like it or not and it is good it is not because if it were a rule book we all would be straight jacketed into fixed formulas of life which become dogmas uh, you know what happens when people have rules about relationships <laughs> so either it uh, breeds a kind of hypocrisy in a society or it leads to breakaway revolts of a much worse kind than if you allowed a certain Uh, kind of flexibility in any case we are moving towards an age when we will need vastness freedom and flexibility or plasticity as a way of life so only those institutions are going to survive uh, and to an extent relationships do carry an institutional baggage with them and only those relationships which are going to be based on something vast something freer something plastic and yet behind it all something nobler so that's important to understand so the more we try to uh, bring it into a closed uh, jacket a kind of uh, tight way of living from which you cannot go this way or that way the more difficulties and challenges it will create and that's what we see today that society is revolting against it another thing is that you know in uh, human life we see that mind has a natural tendency to pick up an idea and turn it into a dogma um that's how certain codes of conduct and you know uh, rules of living or laws which come into existence and then people fight that dogma and create another dogma so <laughs> let me give an example for example for instance you know there is a religious dogma that you should a relationship means this do do this do that and there are do's and don'ts and people are supposed to conform to it so people want to fight it you know because it's an age when a new creation is going to come into existence so the old has to be demolished so there will be people who are going to fight against it but when they revolt they create another dogma it's something like you know when 
the movement of women liberation came it took a swing to the other side and became almost like a cult that well i'll do whatever i feel like to you know <laughs> that way we create a dogma out of even the urge to freedom without really understanding what this urge to freedom uh, would really mean so what is important in any any given uh, framework to understand what are the core issues as i said what are the universal truths which are Uh, behind things or behind creation the technology of creation the science of creation the art of creation the joy of creation um, and then we can proceed on that for instance one of the things which is very obvious if you just look at the stars you see people worship mahalakshmi now lakshmi ji's day is coming and we want to worship her and people call ask money i don't know why they ask money you know they get trouble on the heads they should ask for something more enduring money will come money is needed but <laughs> uh, anyways if you look at this world uh, you know just look at the stars one thing that strikes us is that there is a principle of harmony which has gone into it you look at the atoms there is a principle of harmony you look at life in general there is a balance there is a harmony which life instinctively seeks despite all its extravagances so if you try to shoot in one direction there is a recoil in another why because again the principle of harmony so once we understand this harmony is important when we consider relationships is the most important thing but what really harmony means does harmony means that one person uh, becomes a martyr just to maintain harmony that's not harmony harmony is a very beautiful balance see when a star starts absorbing all others then it's not creating harmony it's just becoming a black hole that's not the way to create harmony harmony is something wherein there is an equilibrium of all the energies forces that are driving a human being in relation to the world meaning thereby that individuals are not crushed for creating harmony nor is the society crushed by the individual trampled by the individual in trying to create harmony that is the beauty you know to an extent in indian thought when we go back uh, to a certain period of time we see that there are ways and means that people had uh, tried to create a harmony between the individual and the society but there were very challenging instances and they and during those moments they had to evolve new ways and mechanisms you know so let me take one story as an example so uh, let me make this story into two parts so first part is we all know we you know in today's context also with all the modernity if some some lady says that she has five husbands so you know it'll be like uh, i'm sorry karwa chauth day today so i shouldn't be speaking <laughs> blasphemous but the point is that look at the indian thought that tropadi had five husbands now she had five husbands again because of a strange thing mother of pandavas she suddenly says that share it whatever you have got together share it now logically if you see the, when she came to know obviously she lamented and she told them that no 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 uh, you don't have to do this i didn't know uh, but pandavas followed that now why did pandavas follow that it's very interesting you know they could have simply said mom yeah you you just just mistaken mom you you didn't realize that it's not an object it's a person a woman and it is an affront to the dignity of a woman to you know marry five people 
But when we look at that whole story, it's one of the most challenging stories of the Indian scriptures. There are many others. So in the story, the Pandavas say, yes, okay, no, we'll, she will be one wife to five husbands. Now, how do they justify it? Now, if you look deep within Mahabharata, there is a thread which runs. And the thread is basically dharma. So how do you bring in dharma here? So there is dharma where you have to, you know, obey the parents, but that is not the issue. We normally would take it that, you know, they were just blindly obeying the mother. Pandavas were trained in a way of life where they always believed, if you look at their, particularly Yudhisthir, that there is a deeper wisdom which operates in life. Now, this is the beauty of Yudhisthir and this is where... This deeper wisdom, which sometimes he falters because he cannot understand that wisdom and there Krishna steps in to remind him that wisdom is not a straight jacketed formula. But that wisdom operates and he doesn't know why and he follows it. The beauty of that incidence is that there is indeed a deeper wisdom operating in their life and but for Draupadi, it would have been near impossible to hold them together. So, Draupadi by coming together, you know, all this is would not be narrated. But what would have gone by in the minds of the Pandavas, she kept them, held them together. This is something very amazing and interesting. You know, <laughs> their whole mission depended on Draupadi keeping the five Pandavas together. But the story doesn't end there. Now, there is a problem. Problem is that this is... Uh, against the Kuldharma, against the Maryada, and this is the objection raised against the Pandavas when they go back and want to claim their throne. So everybody says this is against Dharma, you are not supposed to do it. So a lady who has done it is uh, not a good good woman, whatever be her lineage of birth, and a, such a lady cannot become the Empress. So this was the logic which is given. And if you read through the narrative, how Yudhishthir justifies that whole action and eventually, now this is not a you know dialect on Mahabharata, but eventually what happens is they have to decide how they are going to have this kind of a life together. So they, they make a rule, now this is nowhere in the rule book, that's why I said life is not a rule book, it's unique situation. So they make a certain kind of rule for themselves and the rule is that for one year, because you see the challenge is when, when two people love each other, when they are married to each other, they are supposed to belong to each other completely. So there is this rule that one year, completely she will be with one of the Pandavas and to that extent that nobody has a right to interfere, nobody has a right even to visit when the two are together. That right is taken away. It requires a tremendous degree of both sanyama as well as plasticity and we know that one of the moments when um, Arjuna does transgress, he has to take the punishment and he has to travel all the way. Now, this is a challenge which was thrown at them, a challenge which was thrown by none else but the Lord of Destinies itself. Why? Because uh, what is the larger picture in the backdrop is that Yudhishthir has to establish a kingdom of Dharma. Now, he has to understand all the subtleties of Dharma. If Yudhishthir were to create Dharma, as a rule book, then you don't need him to be, you know, the child of Dharma. Dharma is something which is unfolding all the time. This is one of the fundamental truths. That's why I am speaking about it. It applies in relationship as much as everywhere else. What is the Dharma? 
Now, dharma is not a rule book. Dharma is something which unfolds, which takes us towards something greater, something deeper, something higher, something nobler. And this is revealed in that second story of Draupadi, which is connected with it. See how dharma unfolds in human life. So, when Draupadi, as you know, there is a very interesting conversation written by Shurabindu on dialogues of the dead. And along those lines, Nalnida also wrote a few. So one of them is that Draupadi goes and after she drops the physical sheath, she goes and she uh, has a conversation with Savitri. And uh, you know, there is a discussion that how come you are, uh, not only you have got a place among the celestials, among the heavenly beings, but uh, incidentally Draupadi is one of the Pratasmarni. Look at the vastness of Hindu thought if I may say so. So you are one of the Pratasmarniya. You know she is one of those whom to remember uh, in the morning is um, something regarded as sacred. So she says why? What's, what, what wrong have I done? He says well uh, weren't you married to five of them? So she says yes but I loved only one. Now comes the problem. He says, then you again deviated from dharma because you were partial to one of them. So it's true that basically you were partial to Arjuna. So she says, no, that's not true. Then Bhima who killed Kichak, no, that's not true. Then Sahadev the smart and handsome, no. Then Yudhishthir, surely the emperor, no. Then Nakul who was such a sweet little (laughs) fellow, no, none of them. Then whom did you love? Someone else? She says that, well, all my life I had in my heart only one and that was Krishna. Now you see, if you combine these two stories together, it brings the sense of dharma, which is one of the fundamental truths. Now when we understand it in every issue, even relationship issue, not I shouldn't say even relationship, one of the nuttiest issue, we can remember it and if we keep that in our heart, then Uh, Many things can be resolved. So this is one part we need to understand that dharma is in the heart and we should deep within go and feel for it. It's not something which the mind can calculate or fix into a, um, you know, rule book. As I said, moral science textbook. Moral science textbooks, the only dharma that it serves is that you used to get good marks. I don't know whether now it is there in schools or not, but when I was studying, the only reason why we studied was because you get good marks and it adds up to your total. So well, (laughs) you know, uh, so much for the moral science. But not that morality is bad. Morality has its place, but we must understand it. To be moral is certainly a great quality. To transcend morality is only for those who have really gone beyond and are ready for it. But morality is not a rule book of life. It it must have a fulcrum around which it moves. And that fulcrum is dharma which we will speak about a little bit as we come through. The second principle which is important to understand is that life is evolving and changing. So again, one rule to be applicable for all times, forever, is a dangerous doctrine. I know there are some religions and I know one particular one where the couple wanted to separate themselves and and the man came and finally he quoted, you know, he knew that I have a bit of spiritual bent which he confused for a religious bent and he suddenly said, you know, it's there in our book that once married, married forever. Married in heaven, suffered on earth but broken only in heaven. So you have no choice. So, 
<laughs> I said, where is it? So he brought me the book and showed me. I had read the book, fortunately. <laughs> so yet he showed me, he said, look here, these are the things, teenets of, of a man to be, you know, to, that he has to, a wife who has to follow. So he said, okay, now tomorrow you ask your wife to see me with the rules that a man is supposed to do. <laughs> So then, you know, it was all uh, very on shaky grounds. <laughs> then he came, of course, he came. Says, see, he doesn't listen to even one single thing. And he wants me to follow all the rules <laughs> conveniently. So these are very interesting dilemmas which are generated because the mind sticks to the um, outer shell rather than to the inner spirit. So whenever we have any of these doctrines, in, in rules of law, in rule of law, it is very simple. Mens rea and actus rea. Behind the act, what is the intention? But sometimes in religious books, it becomes a very difficult thing because we are caught in the words. In Indian thought, it's very easy. Shabda Brahmati Vartate. Wherever there is a confusion, go to the spirit, don't go, don't become a slave to the word. Shubindo uh, speaks about it and of course the Gita speaks about it and reminds us that ultimately the dharma is here. Now what is the beauty of dharma? It is always evolving. Uh, it is an unfolding. The, it, it's there as a fundamental truth behind existence meaning thereby that if you try to deviate from it you will be hit either outwardly or inwardly. But at the same time, it is not something fixed. It is fundamentally evolving. So what is the fundamental truth of existence with which we should base our relationship on? And I think that's the most important thing to understand. Whether it's mother, father, wife, husband, uh, friends, whoever. I mean, So we have to base it on this fundamental truth that there is the divine presence in all. You know, this is a... Wonderful place to practice this is human relationship. Because very good to sit in meditation and say that divine is within me. It's very easy to look at these stars and say, Oh God, you are there. Nikhil Brahmand me ek tuhi hari. So, you know, it's wonderful. It's very easy to look at plants and say, Ah, this is divine presence. Even look at animals. Even probably, you know, a tiger, you can be filled with compassion like... Madam Alexandra David Neal, that, you know, he is hungry after all. So what if he eats me? It's okay. And she sat in meditation. <laughs> we know this story of Mr. Tiger, how she relates. See how our relationship carries, makes a difference. So normally one would respond with fear. What does dharma says? Dharma says compassion. So uh, she is a Buddhist who is going up the mountains in Tibet and suddenly she comes across... People had told her, don't, madam, don't travel alone. It's a place where there is a tiger who eats human beings. See, it doesn't matter. So she goes. Now, you know, a lot of people say it doesn't matter. But when the situation arises, it begins to matter. So suddenly in front, she sees uh, this, um, you know, she sits in meditation and she, she feels an eerie presence. And she looks, opens her eyes and sees a tiger. So she has a choice. Her choice is to start shivering in fear. Choice is to blame herself. Oh my God, why did I make this choice? I should have listened to them. I should have... See, something similar in the Pandava story. Voice of sanity. All this I should have listened. Why am I doing this? But then another thought took over her. Which is the, uh, you know, idea of compassion in Buddhism. The way she understood. She said, well, if I have come here and I am face to face with the tiger who is a man-eater, I have come all the way, destiny has brought me, it 
modified my thoughts in a way and I am here. Uh, maybe if he is hungry, let him eat me if he is hungry. So she was overtaken with compassion for the tiger's hunger that he is not really wanting to harm me. He is not violent for the sake of violence. Only human beings can do that. So he's not violent for the sake of violence. He's hungry, therefore he's attacking me. And then she sat in meditation, dedicating herself to Buddha and saying, Oh Lord, I mean, they don't say Lord, but it's like, if such be the destiny, then let it be. Minutes changed into many minutes. I won't say hours. But suddenly she felt nothing has happened. And when she opened the eyes, the tiger was gone. This is a true story, the mother recounts. So, in life, very often, we don't realize that we can get into a cycle or a net purely by our reactions. And then it's like literally a storm in the teacup. So, what literally is the storm in the teacup? You have a little something, you don't like the tea and, okay, you can ask for another tea or one day if you don't drink tea, nothing is going to happen. (laughs) But, why is my tea like this? You know, there are people who will fight with the persons in the restaurant or um, if they are married the unfortunate person has to take the brunt why I made this mistake big mistake in my life that I made a tea without salt uh, sugar (laughs) rather put salt into it maybe next time she will put it to make sure that (laughs) so you know then what happens that that it was very simple actually Uh, but the problem becomes complicated. This is an exaggerated example but really speaking not so exaggerated. These little little things begin to multiply. I was very uh, surprised when you know I read in one of Sherbindo's letters uh, about quarrels. Uh, Mother says one can live without quarreling. So she says I am very surprised why human beings quarrel. (laughs) This is Divine Mother. Uh, we feel here somebody doesn't quarrel, we say, yeah. Yeah, everybody quarrels. Even I have heard people say two days back, Are marriage me to hota hai kitpit, gussa, anger, all this is part of the but it is because they love each other very much. I said if that is love, I think better to stay away from that kind of stuff. <laughs> love is meant to if you are angry, the more you are angry, the more you love. A, these are strange uh, doctrines, you know. Please don't believe in all, all these things. Say that, well, I am not strong and capable enough to harbor the true energy of love. At least one will progress. <laughs> Rather than saying that, uh, I am angry because I have love. Now, anyways, so these things happen. So I read this letter of Sherbinda where he says, People quarrel most of the time. Quarrels take place because of the lower vital over very little things. Then I started observing very attentively. What are these little things? And I realize sometimes just a word somebody speaks and there is a vulnerable moment and the switch, the MCP gets cut off, blown off and the whole. And it is so silly. When you look back, you realize it's so silly. And uh, then I realize most of the quarrels are because of these small little things. I don't know if big quarrels take place or over big issues. Big issues are handled in a different block. But these small little quarrels created perpetual disharmony and lead to bigger issues. So then that's the time when I learned something else which I can share. And mother speaks about it, the harm done by the incontinence of speech. 
you know it is something which we should write it in whatever golden letters or diamond letters inscribe on our heart put it down our throat <laughs> it's a beautiful passage on the harm done by the incontinence of speech we speak unthinkingly and invariably because speech is the medium to build a bridge but you know that story of tower of babel where people came together to build a bridge together to heavens whatever their idea was but the story is very interesting so when they were trying to do it the devil thought oh this will be too much they all will go to heaven our business will fail because our business dukan yahi chalti hai so you know how are we going to run our show so they said okay anyway see they have to coordinate how do people coordinate they coordinate with speech he said abhi bas i'll get into this you know that story uh, that film three idiots and there are other stories films like that and how you just alter sometimes a word and what happens their speech became a means to create confusion and chaos so that's the story of the tower of babel that's how this speech is called as babel children's speech which nobody can understand except mother this is very interesting symbol so anyways mother speaks about oroville as a tower of babel in reverse now you see why do mothers understand this why is what is the child saying how does she know that now when the child is crying it means this when the child is another kind of cries another third kind of cries another is the same cry and that is the power of love so any relationship see that's something which i often remind the difference between a uh, european civilization which anyways is crumbling now on its own nobody has to do anything because it it cannot endure forever its basis is faulty and the indian civilization asiatic but since we are talking of europe but uh, in this context i may say indian is that while in in the european civilization let's say a thing like marriage marriage is a legal contract it's a document it has to be you know even now you get married if if it's not a legal document that's what decides why now why do people go to court to get married and make it turn it into a legal document if you go to its basis there is mistrust you are starting on this footing what if something goes wrong you see what is the basis of it what if something goes wrong then how am i going to get alibi uh, uh, alumini uh, whatever it is called alim alumini okay whatever so how am i going to you know so it starts on a wrong footing and you see when people go to court it's the most nightmarish experience trying to settle an issue where people are separating it's not only emotional pain but so much falsehood slander lies i have seen it in so many instances and so i keep advising people don't take this route uh, but in india what was the basis of marriage the basis of marriage was basically there is the witness the son the fire uh, and we marry now who is the witness the witness is son the fire what is that representative of the divine consciousness now when you follow life based on that that there is the basis is dharma the basis is truth most importantly the basis is love then what happens that you are focused around that 
you are not focused around rights and responsibility. This is a very, very modern way of looking at it that I have my rights and I have my responsibilities. Very good. It's nothing wrong with that. People have their rights and responsibilities which go together and try to balance it. But basically, what is my journey about? Is it all about rights, responsibilities? I am on a trail of what is called as truth. I am on a trail of my upward evolutionary urge. And my only right, the true right of every individual is to grow into that which is in his depths. This is the Indian thought about life. Now, when we take that as the benchmark and the standard, then it's very easy to take decisions. In any relationship issue, what is going to help me to grow into the fullness of dharma? After all, what is dharma? Dharma, you you know, it's one of the most difficult things to define. But in one line, if one has to say, all that helps us to grow individually and collectively toward the true, the right, the beautiful, the good is dharma. You see, there cannot be any wider law. People often say that you know, they, they mistake it for religion and then there are inter-religious faiths and uh, sometimes people ask me, why are you speaking? Say, don't you think the Gita and the Bible and the Quran, let me put it more bluntly, are on one par. I say, no, it is not true. It's not true. I, I can't speak something which is untrue and I have reasons to say that. Now, you see, the moment you say that there is a journey collectively and individually, then you don't have to uh, please anybody. You don't have to, uh, you know, a lot of things happen simply because people are trying to please others, leading a life of falsehood, uh, untruth. But if we understand now, what did this lady choose? She chose dharma. And her dharma was compassion. And that was something so beautiful. What was the relation between her and the tiger? She formed a bond which is something unbelievable. And the bond was the bond of dharma. That deep within compassion suddenly had this power to knit them together in a different thing. And that tiger responded. He understood, he felt. The mother speaks about it in one of the... Uh, very beautiful writings. She speaks about right attitude. And she says in the midst of, in the face of a challenge, even if a terrorist, a terrorist has come in front of you. Now, of course, if you have the courage, if you have the gun, if you have the means, by all means you should fight. It's better to, you know, face life with courage in face of danger. But inside, she says, you should not bring in a vibration of fear. Now, when you bring in a vibration of fear, it attracts like anything. See, recently this film had come, Kashmiri Files. Now, what happened to that community where people were supposed to live together in peace and harmony? Now, I have given a whole talk on it, so I don't want to get into that. But basically, when you are face to face with such a situation, no one could fight. At the same time, everybody was deep inside, afraid, full of anguish. Probably, you know, that still continues. You even sometimes identify with the aggressor. All kinds of chaotic responses begin to take place. So, what is important in a given situation is, first of all, when people, as I spoke about speech, when people, uh, one of the most common causes of uh, misunderstanding, confusion, not most common, probably it is the, the most common, not one of the most common, is to learn to guard our speech. You can't guard somebody else's speech. So, to always reflect a little and then speak. There is a beautiful letter of Sri on psychic self-control of speech. It has those six points. That was one of the things which I had 
written down, taken a nice print out, put in my room cupboard. <laughs> this is something to be practiced. Of course, it must become spontaneous. There are such beautiful things in Indian thought. Satyam vada. But also priyam. So you have to speak truth. But truth can be spoken in a very blunt, harsh way. So while you are speaking the truth, the sound, the whole vibrations are very disruptive. But you can speak truth in a beautiful way. This is a whole art of communication, which is so germane, core to any relationship issue. Even when the other person is... Um, one of the things which I have often... Um, very humorously used to tell my students that see when when you know your spouse is getting very angry so one way is that you know you respond with anger or you know you leave in a half and you you are uh, very annoyed and you also tell the person says a few things then you give it what is called in today's time giving it back I gave it back this is a common advice you get Achhe se diya kya diya you multiplied anger the other way is stay quiet inwardly. And how can you stay quiet? Invoke the divine presence. You know that the other person is not being oneself. There is also the compassion. But also, sometimes a little humor helps. Now, it may not help in every situation. <laughs> sometimes it can aggravate. But a humor helps. And there I used to give this example of one of the ancient techniques Gusse mein aur bhi achhi lag rahi ho. Now, you know, please don't, you know, it's a weapon. Don't, don't misuse it. If you use it at the wrong time, you had it. That achha will become Durga to Kali. But when, you know, it's something like basically what you're trying to assure that look, regardless of your appearances, I still love you. I still care for you. There's a very beautiful little saying of the mother. Bitterness is on the surface. In the depth, there is only love. Bitterness is an illusion. Even when people hate each other, isn't it love which has taken this form? Because they love each other. Now only yes, somebody who doesn't understand reacts like this. But uh, people even say this, that okay, I understand all this. But why should I be the only one who should practice it? <laughs> well, because you want to evolve or not, it's your choice. If you want to evolve, you have to practice it. Second, I asked another question that, well, tell me, between the two of you, who is more mature? <laughs> who is the wiser? Now comes a problem because, you know, nobody wants to accept that I am not a wise person. <laughs> so, now if you are wise, the responsibility is yours. That's why what I believe that, you know, uh, when there are two people, uh, I mean, I don't say that elder is equivalent to wise. But in general, either the person who is let's say in a higher position, who has studied more, learnt more, uh, is sometimes just by age you have gathered a little more experiences. Responsibility is that person's. You can't blame the other person that, you know, you reacted like this, therefore I reacted. You are the one. This is a very convenient way of living. But this is not dharma. Simply because you are seeking your own personal pleasure and comfort. So, where is, what would be dharma? Dharma is that she or he is a soul trapped in ignorance. You know, when you read Shurabindu's new um, psychology, it's uh, in, in human cycle. He says, uh, sociology. He says that who will be the forerunners of the new race? And then she says, they will understand that they will not treat 
द क्रिमिनल एंड द सेंट एज यूनिट ऑफ ए सोशल प्रॉब्लम इट्स अ बिट ह्यूमर सेंट इज ऑल्सो यूनिट ऑफ ए सोशल प्रॉब्लम बिकॉज ही लिव्स इन ए काइंड ऑफ फ्रीडम ही लिव्स इन ए काइंड ऑफ कंपैशन विच इज नॉट कंसिस्टेंट विद द वे पीपल लिव बट द क्रिमिनल एज souls or as souls which are either trapped in ignorance or souls which have come out and they are leaning down to help each other now this is where we have to understand that there are two aspects of relationship one is the framework and there is a deeper truth which goes beyond frames and the mother gave a very interesting example when people asked her how to create human unity so this is very simple nowadays people talk about interfaith dialogue one of the most nonsensical thing ever you know maybe ngos get lot of money i don't know because everybody holds on rigidly it's not about interfaith dialogue evolve beyond religions evolve beyond you know uh, the framework of ideologies that is a difficult task more challenging than you know organizing a meeting in a five star hotel but the important aspect is that when we look deep inside she gave a very simple solution she she was asked how can humanity become one she said by becoming conscious of our origin now you know this simple exercise that regardless of whatever we may have on the surface fights are there bitterness is there acrimony uh, all kinds of things are there human nature let's not speak about that but deep within do we not believe that there is the divine presence is it not true that we are all children of the same divine mother deep within now it doesn't mean that you know that let's take the extreme example of the geeta does it mean that i lay down my arms like arjuna no sometimes you may have to take an outer measure an outer step but always deep within your heart has to be free of hatred see this is the beauty shubhendra reminds us that again the difference between indian way of life and the european european lays stress on action and that's why people say and rightly so that gandhi ji was more of a uh, christian not not a christ but a second kind of you know he, he was colored by christian ideology and therefore non violence outwardly you remain non violence non violent but indian thought what does the geeta say you can take arms if necessary but inside harbor no hatred now this is a much more challenging task it's not easy it's much easier to say ki okay make a rule of life i will never lift arms that's okay after some practice you can do it but much more difficult that i'll keep my heart clear of hatred i have seen it's very very interesting i have you know actually what i am sharing you know something which you can practice i have tried to incorporate as a practice in my daily life uh, catching myself if somebody has said something or done something which which has hurt seemingly hurt you uh, not seemingly hurt you for a moment and you want to react in a certain way now before your feelings are beginning to rise in the heart observe them catch them that there should be never any ill will clear the heart of that cleaning minimum advantage will be that your heart will be at rest you will feel supported by the grace despite everything next step pray pray to the divine mother that may her heart or his heart also is cleansed of this kind of feeling because he is suffering so when we start looking at human beings as souls that are trapped in ignorance they are their own victims then we will get the right approach towards you know dealing with this 
Of course, as I said, there are situations where you need to, uh, you know, um, as I said in the Gita, where things don't, and there is a wrestle of ideas going on in the arena of the world, by all means, you have to fight that idea, because through the clash of ideas, the universe is born. But this fight should not be with a sense of hatred. This is a very thin line, which separates. Because if you are nurturing hatred, if you are nurturing anger, then you are not helping things. It's becoming more and more complicated. Meaning thereby, I will come back to that aspect, you know, now to that famous Sanskrit verse. If, when mother was asked, if you have to be a good teacher, what are the qualities you must have? So she gave a list of five qualities. So one of them was, you know, that he has to be a good psychologist. He must understand what's happening inside. And then, of course, he must have the knowledge of the subject. And then very important, at the end, he says, most importantly, he must understand the relativity of all knowledge and must be himself ready to progress, to know more, to grow more. And then she says, in the end, in one word, to be a good teacher, you have to be good you have to be a yogi. Now, I say the same thing with regard to relationship. To be a good husband, you have to be a yogi. <laughs> now, it has two implications. Don't expect your husband or wife to be Mr. and Miss Perfect if they are not yogis. And even if they are yogis, please understand, there are yogis and yogis in different stages of development. So, if you are expecting that, that is very unreasonable expectation. At one place, mother says to want somebody who is perfectly understanding, perfectly loving, perfectly caring and only for you, mind you. It means you are wanting a personal divine in your service. A person who will do that will be too vast in one's consciousness. That's why people say admire a saint, never marry. <laughs> Saints have too many burdens to bear on their head. <laughs> so, the, the thing is that, you know, deep inside, we must always carry that. The inner heart should be always cleansed of all this muck. So, we should practice some kind of yoga. In ancient times, very interestingly, this truth was understood in a very interesting way. But unfortunately, in its application, it was only for the woman that it was reserved. And I would say the right and privilege of being a sati. Sati had nothing to do with jumping into the fire. All that practice is nonsense and obviously horrifying. And uh, I mean, Johar is different. So people got mixed up. Johar was a very different thing. That was when uh, there were invaders who captured you and they did all kinds of things. So people preferred that we prefer to die into the flames rather than be brutally captured and enslaved. Many of these customs came like that. One of them, for instance, is Karvachot. Since we are at it, you know, Karvachot is typically in those areas which were very war prone. <laughs> Every time the husband went, you didn't know, you know, whether he'll come back or not. So you see how you are connecting it with the moon. So it moon, by the time it comes, and invariably on Karvachot, the fellow is, for some reason, I don't know why, too shy or, I mean, people are calling him and he is taking his own time. And people are running. You see what happens through the day you are praying. Because those belts, it's war. It's not something which really to be, to again apply it like a rule of life and all kinds of things. But that's a different story altogether. Let's not, you know, dishearten people who want to wear nice dresses and eat nice 
food and husbands want to be worshipped god knows why <laughs> is the age of feminism they should start worshipping uh, the lady but the beauty is it's true that only a woman can love truly and that's why the yoga of a woman um, through the power of truth in love was reserved for her and it was called as sati who was a sati not somebody who jumped into fire because they were all living legends not just living they are living legends whose names are anusuya arundhati many people don't even know it's unfortunate their stories should be it is said that they had the capacity to even slow down the motion of the stars and you know so that the day doesn't emerge we know savitri she is a sati and she brings back the dead to life now what was it based on it was based on she turned her marriage life or conjugal love into a means of yoga that's how shubindra says that what is savitri about it is conjugal love conquering death now conjugal love has all the shades of human love in all its heights depths everything no other love really carries that so there is a possibility in human love to touch those divine heights and if we look at it like that then just as all life can become yoga even human relationships can become yoga should become yoga i would say must become yoga now in this human relationships becoming yoga there are three basic steps first is when we want to take up yoga and those around us don't understand us the moment you do something which is out of the normal way you you be sure that you will be misunderstood and if you are being misunderstood you are on the right track take it as a axiomatic truth <laughs> yeah that's it otherwise you know, people often say when they come to ashram uh, sometimes they have to fill a form i have to certify that they are normal so people come and i write normal so they say you won't ask interview anything i said the fact you are here means you are not normal <laughs> mean thereby i said see if you were normal you would pursue normal aims why would you come to ashram in the prime of your youth and want to pursue yoga it means but it's a good abnormality thanks to this abnormality that man can attempt towards supernormality so the moment you start leading a life which is not run of the mill of kind of life you take it that you'll be misunderstood if you are understood then you are one of those rare fortunate fellows in life thank your stars and god's grace but that's okay but even if you are misunderstood turn this all into a yogic practice one of them is stepping back so stepping back is that when things happen say something has happened in the evening or morning or usually things happen in the evening and late evenings you know because all the forces of darkness are at play um, one of the that's why one of the rules that uh, i tell people if you have a fight resolve it before you sleep don't carry it in your sleep because you will open your doors to all kinds of attacks how you resolve it it is between people if nothing else offer it to the divine pray to the mother tell her all this has happened pray for the other person also pray for yourself and pray for the world pray that this disharmony disappears from the earth then go to bed if you don't do it you wake up with a migraine and a heavy head so so one thing is that you know whenever this happens when people don't understand you uh, understand that you are you are on a journey to yoga and all these events are really speaking that mere trifles they are literally ripples 
given the extent of where you want to reach. And I give this example that if you are going from, uh, let's say, I, from your house in Pondicherry to the Samadhi, just to take an example, suddenly somebody catches you on the way and starts hurling abuses and do you want to get caught and guard, get into all kinds of fist fight? And the ashram is going to close. What are you going to do? You will rush. You will say, I'll sort out this later. You will rush because you know you have to reach there. So to always remember what is my goal. Relationship is not a goal. Relationship is a path. So it's so important to remember that, you know, it's a training ground to cultivate more tolerance, more generosity, more wideness, suppleness. It's a training ground. And I must say, a wonderful training ground. Because the only person who will freely criticize you is those who are near to you. That their right and their privilege. <laughs> and uh, it's good, as Kabir has said, Nindak Niere Rakhi. Rahim has said, Nindak Niere Rakhi. Keep Kabir. So keep uh, the person who criticizes you. At least there is somebody who is going to tell you all kinds of things. So how do we handle this criticism? Look inside, see maybe there is a blind spot you are not able to see that the person is seeing. Maybe the other person is exaggerating. Take that aspect which is true and keep it. It's a pearl. Mother uses the word pearl of prize. You have paid your prize. What is that prize? You have managed to hear and survive the criticism and the assault. Now that you have done it, extract that little pearl. Keep it. It's, it's, it's precious. You don't have to go through it again and again. Discover that yes, there is something true in that. And whatever is untrue, discard it. You don't expect another person to know you. Only the divine knows. This is something we discover over a period of time. So all this idea of sharing and caring, caring is good. Caring, tenderness, affection are psychic feelings. But all this sharing with a friend to, you know, this is okay, good if you have somebody. But ultimately it is the divine who is the friend. So all this helps in turning towards yoga. This is the first stage. First stage is when everything is turned into Yoga. And we have that story of Mirabai when she asked one of the ladies that, well, uh, Bua, is marriage okay because my parents are looking for a boy? And the Bua said, well, uh, it's, it's wonderful. My husband makes all the, you know, morning breakfast, lunch, dinner. I can devote my time to Hari Bhakti. He's the bestest possible specimen. Mira says, I have not heard of this. But she says, okay, then it's good. But she wants to take one more person's opinion. She asks other Buhaji, he says, marriage is good. My husband doesn't care for me. He's completely a useless fellow. But because he's so uncaring, I can turn to the divine. I don't have to even try to be detached. Automatically detachment has come over me. So, you see, it's a very interesting story incidentally. Mira is married. And she marries and goes through everything. But all through it is like she is getting married to Krishna. She is eternally married to Krishna, but she is temporally married to a man called Rana. It's a very fascinating tale if we look at it like that. And though Rana tries at one point, he also loved her. And fair enough that you know he used to feel very jealous that this lady loves Krishna so much more. But at the same time, he later on tried, they even tried to kill her because that not be out of any... Uh, because that was the way that how can a uh, lady who is a princess and, and a queen is going around singing songs and you know even in front of the 
Mughal emperor and all this is just not done. Though she sang in her own masti, the Mughal emperor came to hear her. Not she didn't go to the court. So, but anyways, she was in that state of uh, so. The, even he tried to kill her. Even that she received with such a joy and gratitude. And that's how that's a state in which we can turn all things to honey. All the sweet bitter poison of life can be turned to honey. This is the first stage. Successfully navigate through it, then you enter that second stage. That second stage is tameva mata, chapita tameva. In this sense, that. I have found everything in the divine. It doesn't matter. Human relationships become very secondary. It has served its purpose. You have found the divine. But if that was the only purpose, then this creation becomes meaningless. Now that's not the case. So there is a third stage where you return back. You have found your own eternal perennial founts of love in the divine. You don't need to go somewhere, thoda pyaar de do na. Please, I want little shanti. Get lost from my eyes so that I can be shanti. You have found the shanti, peace inside. You have found the joy inside. You have found love, compassion, everything you have found inside. For everything you turn to the Divine Mother and she more than fulfills. It's a state of supreme felicity. But now... You enter into the world of relationship and the same words with which we started carries a new meaning. So if you are a father, be fatherly as the divine is. Full of infinite patience. <laughs> you see. If you are a mother, be a mother as the divine mother. Tameva Mata. Full of not only patience, forbearance and giving. You know, if you want to learn what giving means, it is from the divine mother. From mothers we can learn. So this urge to give is the most beautiful movement in love. But we are taught all the time to take, extract, ego-based life. So ego-based life is not our way of life. Our way of life is dharma-based, soul-based, God-based. Discover these elements. Tameva bandhu. Be as a friend, as the divine is a friend. Now you see, this is a perfect example, ultimate future of all relationship. These frames are going to get broken, whether we like it or we don't like it. What relationship is going to remain at the end? It is the truth of our origin is a friendly feeling and a universal brotherhood. There is no second thing which is going to remain. All else is only something which will come and go and there will be some frames. When human beings live in the mind, they need some frames. But always keep that which is beyond the frames. So, the relationship of friendship. Now, it's very interesting when you see Sri Krishna as a friend to Draupadi and to Arjuna. How is he as a friend? He doesn't keep interfering. Oh, you did this wrong. Oh, you did that wrong. He doesn't do that. He lets people evolve through their own ways. This idea of telling a friend constantly, you have done a wrong thing, even in close relationship, husband-wife. So after some time, people get completely confused. But you are not indifferent. You are watching over. Whenever there is a need and a crisis, you are there. You see, this is what I keep telling when parents and children, they have a conflict. I say, you see, allow them to grow. But keep a watch so that when they need, they should have the confidence they can come back to you. They can be with you. You are there with them. So the moment they feel that, well, we are abandoned, this is a very uh, horrible feeling. 
So they know you are there. You may not approve of everything. Well, you have your own way of life. They have their own way of life. And as long as things are not taking a very critical turn, or they have taken a turn where they may enter into a very dangerous space, but even there, say once, don't keep on trying to change others, putting pressure, because each has to evolve in his own way. As I said, dharma is something which unfolds. There are different stages of development, different levels on which people stand. Depending on their level, they perceive life, they perceive the journey. So we should not try to compel and change others. There is somebody on a physical consciousness, somebody is on a, you know, deep spiritual consciousness. So if the person in a spiritual consciousness tells this fellow who is praying to an idol, Hurry, what is all this idol worship? Don't do that. So what you have done? You have made him neither here nor there. When mother was asked, that, you know, why do we have filters in the ashram and doctors in the ashram? Because ultimately all healing has to come from inside. She says, are you people ready for it? Most of the people even here are living in physical consciousness. So when you are in physical consciousness, you have to use physical means. So we have to understand people are in different stages. And yet as a friend, we see Krishna always comes to assist assist whenever there is a need and when things are crucial and critical he is standing by their side he doesn't tell Arjuna and Yudhishthira you people messed up your life you take care of it why should I meant no he comes and stands at the same time he harbors a vast universal love deep within himself for everyone including those characters who are going to be killed therefore he understands Bhishma's viewpoint but at the same time, he tries to change Karna. He tries to even go to Duryodhana and tell him, don't do this foolish thing. What is it but the sign of a universal love that he is going to an extent that he is saying, just give five villages, that's all. So, three things at the end. Tap love from the only source from where it originates, that is the divine. Don't seek love from this or that vessel. In giving love, give freely. Vast universal love. But when you give freely, always remember that there is a law of evolution. Ritchit. Keep that in mind. Freely giving love doesn't mean doing anything and everything everywhere. Suddenly hugging a tree and saying, oh I am full of love. So I am seeing Krishna in it. <laughs> See it. Don't start doing that. So because uh, one has to understand the evolutionary process and there are different people at different stages. So if we keep that in mind that we be a friend to everyone, the sign of the Bhakta is he is, has Maitri Karuna for everyone. So even when you have to fight a battle, sometimes life has battles. It should be fought with the sense of Maitri and Karuna. It's a friendly fight. People may even separate. There should not be bitterness in that. It's possible that two people are not meant to be together forever. It's okay. Life is growing, evolving. But let there be love even in that. The sense of freedom. And we see that one of the best kind of love, I'll close with that is, when two people, they went through all the misunderstanding, understanding, super understanding, chaos, conflict, and then they started living a little away, and then they became friends. You know, these people become some of the best friends. Why? Because they know every shades and shites. <laughs> and they've accepted at the end of the day. Why? Because they've gone through that entire journey. Life is an evolving journey. There is nothing like a ready lunch. 
or a you know free plate i am i found my mr perfect prince charming all these illusions uh, you have to create build life so it there is a joy in it so it's very nice if a relationship is built and it has to be built together it cannot be built by one person one person can continue to give love it is like a dependency and it's okay there are people who will do that but it's not building a relationship building is always a two way process and to understand that we, it has to evolve and it should percolate from every layer even if it starts with physical attraction it's okay but it should not stop there it may there has to be common vital interest common mental kind of companionship where you share certain common elements common spiritual aspiration psychic urges then relationship becomes complete and beautiful and true and divine such a relationship i don't know whether it exists or not but it's the ideal we should always hold before us because if we don't have an ideal if we practice with life as it is then after some time we begin to degenerate so let us advance with hope and faith and love in the heart that life should grow beautiful human being should learn at least to um, not just love each other it is not possible to only love human beings but love the totality of creation and for all this let us try to discover the divine presence within who is the source of all love all peace all harmony all beauty all joy hello the i i there's no hand raised i have a question yes please <laughs> so um when we when we talk about uh, being a friend like a krishna being a, like the divine so it is sometimes gets difficult to get rid of the sense of doership uh, even if when is trying to be do it from the highest or the higher in us so how does one really cultivate that attitude of yes it's a long process uh, doership is one of the last things that goes uh, if doership has gone then you are already in that state which ram prasad said dujendra lal roy said one of my favorite bhajans tomar karmo tumi karoma loke bole koriyami doership will go only when we get rid of the need for praise and as its counterpart the blame and the responsibility for blame uh, which means the vital has to be converted it is the vital in man intellectually we understand uh, but vital needs that as long as it needs praise it has to uh, accept or automatically it will happen the responsibility for the blame so uh, when we stop uh, you know being moved by these two things um, there is this line in गुरु नानक देव सिंह अस्तुति निंदा दौ त्यागी खोजे तब निर्वाणा सो दे विल कम बट वी हैव टू लर्न टू कीप पासिंग टू हर देन आफ्टर ए टाइम देर इज दैट इक्वानिमिटी सो बाय द परसिस्टेंट एप्लीकेशन ऑफ इक्वानिमिटी व्हिच इज एन नेवर एंडिंग प्रोसेस बिकॉज ऑलवेज द फील्ड एक्सपैंड्स व्हिच इज गुड इन अ वे बिकॉज यू आर प्रोग्रेसिंग इन डिफरेंट डायमेंशंस देन वी कैन गेट रिड ऑफ द डुअरशिप it helps to get it of the doership just the intellectual idea doesn't help because you know invariably the vital is sitting behind dubka hua it will come up when the praise comes is ah so nice <laughs> tell it to be quiet tell it to remember what you are doing even in intelligence a simple analysis that you know everything belongs to the divine actually i mean one can actually see it 
all our instruments of action, the outer, inner, everything is shaped by nature. And where does the power of nature come from? From the divine. So we, one, another practice which, um, you know, again from the Gita is Nishkam Karma. So then the sense of, because doership comes very strongly with Sakam Karma. Because, you know, I have the one who has done it, so I deserve the result. Now when you understand that all results belong to the divine, then, you know, life flows much more freely and smoothly. People often worry that if, if we live like that, who will take care? I can tell you that, you know, you'll be taken much, much, much better care than anyone can ever imagine. I can tell with direct experience. But one has to really practice Nishkam Karma. And then one is taken care of in more ways than one. In more ways than hundred. <laughs> yeah. I think there was one more question, Sirisha. Uh, yes. Uh, hello, Alokda. Yes, good morning. Um, yeah. I have a question. Um, whenever I have a conversation with outer people, it means uh, people who are in outer life, not with Sri Arbindo. Um, there's is a, I feel a connection like a wire or a something connecting to them and it takes a long time to detach from that it's like I have to consciously ask Divine Mother can you please detach <laughs> that wire or connection it, it it's very suffocating and draining and sometimes I feel this integrality integral life is very hard <laughs> I just want to be with myself. So you should follow your art. See, ultimate, of course, is the vision of the divine in everyone and everything. And one has to understand that. So what one can do is, uh, but initially you need a framework. You know, suddenly divine is in all is not an easy thing. But what we can do as a framework is try to pick out things which are beautiful in everyone. And it's not difficult. That is one part that there is something beautiful about everyone. And of course, it doesn't mean randomly we start, you know, picking up people. But when you meet people, when there is a willingness to learn, something good you learn about from them and keep that element, leave the rest. And it's their journey. They have to be on their own journey. And uh, of course, we all know that Mother and Shubhindo are not exclusivist, uh, dogmatic, you know, kind of religion where each one has his own journey, his own path, his own freedom, his own stage of development and that we must remember. But having said that, if, you know, if you feel deep within that, well, it drains me, follow that arts. It is your uh, specific to you and one must respect it. So there are moments, um, I myself gone through that stage where I didn't feel like conversing with anyone. So if I would go anywhere, because there are, you can't avoid, you know, uh, relatives are there and uh, people are there. So what do you do? Like in Air Force, we, I used to, I had to attend parties, you know. Party is like a, like a parade. It's not a party, you know. <laughs> you better go there. And the whole thing was so foolish. I mean, nice, everything is nice. But, you know, just to imagine wasting your just to imagine, you know, wasting your time and all that. But anyway, so what I used to practice was that this is an excellent opportunity for me to be a witness. So even while conversation was going on. So people are holding a, a daru in one hand and cigarette in another, talking all kinds of nonsense. And I would be standing there. I mean, you have to meet somebody and you are there. So you just uh, keep centered in the heart and just call the Divine Mother. It's a wonderful practice. Uh, dance with the divine wherever you are regardless of what's happening around step back practice that practice witnessing is these are moments when you can actually practice 
सो देर इज नो चॉइस बट टू डिस्कवर गॉड एवरीवेयर एंड एवरी वन एंड एवरी थिंग दिस आइडिया ऑफ ए सेपरेट इंडिविजुअल कट ऑफ फ्रॉम द वर्ल्ड बट एज आई सेड इट्स नेसेसरी एट सम स्टेज सो प्रैक्टिस विटनेसिंग एंड साक्षी भाव अवॉइड द कंपनी ऑफ पीपल ए प्रैक्टिकल एडवाइस विच ड्रेन्स यू and uh, if you have to be there look at the good things and uh, keep the mind clean of all that is going on all that gossip and so stay away from that do ma 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 inside concentrate in the heart one of the best moments two times when i have really felt one is when i am driving is concentration was so beautiful another when i am in a group like that why because you don't have to participate all nonsensical things are being talked about so i can easily concentrate here and do you know uh, used to do ma 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 so enjoy that time you it's your time given to meditate uh, in everything all around okay none of that is important so keep yourself inwardly occupied okay and feel amused at what life is <laughs> without being condescending <laughs> okay that's important <laughs> yeah thank you sakshi Uh, good evening all of you uh once again thank you so good much evening. for this inspiring talk i had one doubt uh you mentioned for the psychic control yes. in speech uh, which shri arabindo had mentioned yeah uh in that i was just yeah. going through that and there's a third point to keep the tone of speech and the wording very quiet and calm and uninsistent uh could you yeah mm. <laughs> i have doubt there and yeah so yeah yeah very good to you so this comes when the inner state is calm when the inner state is full of sweetness which comes with contact with the divine it's not something which can be done artificially that's why if you see the letter it is psychic control of speech so uh, if you do it artificially it becomes uh, like you know there are some people who say are so nice to meet you that's artificial but when the speech flows from the heart and the heart is you know already sanctified and becomes uh, a sacred space touched by the divine then it begins to flow but even otherwise before that happens one should be very careful because through speech we are throwing vibrations so when we do that then we have to really get back and remember us remind ourselves so in the beginning one has to remind oneself that well uh, it's a study of oneself that well maybe i said it too harshly uh, if i would have expressed this in a beautiful way things may have been different so it's a constant self improvement that's the minimum that's very easy accessible at the same time the true sweetness must flow from the heart mere external manipulation doesn't help it often becomes hypocritical even deceptive so there is a sweet uh, deceptive sweetness so that's not what shurbindo is uh, asking us to do but to let this speech come from the depths of the heart even when we have found or touched the psychic not found when you have found things are different but still sometime the surface consciousness reacts and uh, speech can be driven by the vital storms so with practice one it becomes quiet so practice inner quietude inner peace um, and love for the divine love for the divine um, gives sweetness warmth joy and beauty to everything so to speech also it gives its own rhythm it lifts speech to the level of a, you know literally a mantra it gives to speech a rhythm love for the divine you'll see this difference you know when it's just gyana and when there is love the two speeches are different 
all the four goddesses when they come together so well that's a different subject altogether but uh, let the speech flow from the soul till then keep reminding yourself that you know this kind of speech is counterproductive and it comes naturally when we remember our goal our goal is not to defeat somebody in an argument or a dispute to prove a point or to you know the other person say nobody ever says yes you have won and i have lost <laughs> so one thing very sure that all these discussions debates and disputes end in a kind of quagmire uh, so they are really meaningless uh, yet people want us to be dragged into it sometimes you have to because if you don't discuss that is taken as Uh, you don't care so let it be simple quiet uh, paused nuanced and it comes with as we grow in in a quiet quietude and most importantly try to remain in contact within while speaking because speaking is an externalizing movement and what the commonest problem is when we speak is that we flow with the speech and we lose contact so try to be focused here and then speak automatically and with practice and growth of consciousness it will happen okay, okay. Yeah. thank you so much alokta yeah. <laughs> thank you can i have one question yes yes devya yes yes, yes. <laughs> um maybe childish but um no no nothing like sachi said alokta that um when you uh, in a friendship like like you said that being a friend like krishna try to be be a friend like krishna there are times when probably you can hold that ideal or naturally also it may happen and things and there are times that you would want to be dropadi or arjuna and not krishna you want that krishna <laughs> to be someone else you want outwardly also so what to do in that situation nothing love krishna keep loving your being will be molded in his image see that is the there no doubt that arjuna is the ideal but uh, love krishna and then you become arjuna if you want you to become but uh, once you love the only lover boy in this whole creation <laughs> the master of man and his infinite lover so when we love him then we grow into his likeness whosoever we love will grow into his likeness this one of the fundamental again axiomatic truths so we should be very careful so when we love because mental ideals i understand that it becomes very difficult because mind cannot change our nature it can at best color it so but the heart when falls in love with god then all the sweetness of god the joy of god the love of god begins to permeate here so one has to keep tuning oneself knowing that uh we yes one has to be arjuna dropdi and all that is fine but ultimately we are children of god and we have to become like that we don't have to become another arjuna or dropdi but maybe something greater or something else something different and that is up to the divine to make us what he wants us to become so love krishna and that's that's the beauty of it yeah <laughs> okay Thank you so much, Alokta. We'll end yeah. with a minute of silence. Yeah.